Welcome, podcast listeners. It's so good to have you here today. I'm Pastor Megan. And I'm Pastor Steve. And I'm Pastor Brandon. And hopefully you uh, are a, uh, an astute listener realizing we sound a little different right now. Uh, that's because we're recording on Zoom. We're going to do that for just a few weeks here. Um, really, friends, it's because we're trying to keep our distance from each other so we don't accidentally get each other sick uh, so that we can keep doing worship and uh, teaching classes and doing all the great stuff we do. So hopefully you're willing to have a little compromise in sound quality uh, in order for us to keep things going as best we can. So hope you're keeping yourselves and others safe too. And with that intro, let's just do a hard break and let's just do a real fast pivot to talking about the text coming up this week. We are reading from John 3 and whew, it's a long reading and there's a lot going on. So let's just get into it. Pastor Steve, where have we been so we can know where we're going? Oh, yeah, we are in it. We are doing the Gospel of John. And last week we saw Jesus like Mr. Potato Head from Toy Story. He brought his angry eyes to the temple. <laughs> you remember that scene? <laughs> Don't forget your angry eyes. Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite lines. So we see this. This Jesus who is full of zeal for uh, his father's house, and he drives out the, the marketplace, and um, that's where we were. And when he does this, the, the religious leaders of Jerusalem, they're like, hey, what sign can you give that says you have the right to do this? And so then right from that scene, we come to this scene where one of those religious leaders is a guy named Nicodemus. And so we get to, to drill down into the conversation. Uh, so this is like um, a conversation that represents all of the conversations that Jesus is having with the religious establishment of Jerusalem. That's one thing about the gospel of John is that John is is really more of a, of a theology book that uses little vignettes of Jesus' life and less of a, a record of the factual events of Jesus' life. So this is a quintessential conversation between Jesus and the religious establishment. And that's why we've got it here to kind of represent like this is what was going on with, with yep. Jesus and, and the folks who were in charge. Yep. Well, so we're reading from John chapter three and the whole reading, friends, is verses one through 21. We're going to break it up into some chunks and talk about it as we go. Um, so, Pastor Brandon, would you start for us by reading uh, John chapter three, verses one through four? You got it. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? What a sassy question for Nicodemus to ask. He's a sassy pants. <laughs> uh, Pastor Steve, what's one thing that you hear in those first four verses that, that kind of gives you pause? Well, so many things. I was going, pick one. I know. Pick yeah. one. <laughs> the, the, the question that I have is what is Nicodemus's tone? Mm. Is he truly coming as a humble inquirer? 
and saying, explain yourself and I want to understand, or is he really being sarcastic and saying, can really, can anyone be born a second time? Or is he like taunting Jesus? I, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's part of what makes this text hard to read because as we'll continue to hear, even Jesus starts to sound a little sassy too. And so, I mean, are they having like a battle of wits? Is, is one of them questioning the other? I mean, how is this working exactly? Yeah. It's a tough text for that one. Pastor Brandon, is there, is there anything that, that you hear just as the story starts? And you're right. You can't hear the tone that Nicodemus has, but um, is he seriously calling Jesus rabbi? As in, I, I'm f- as in, I'm one of your followers, you are my teacher, and this is a legitimate question, right? Um, but the fact that he's a Pharisee, it says in the story, and he's calling Jesus rabbi, I would say, at least we know he's a Pharisee, kind of an insider of the religious system here. Um, but the thing that sticks out to me is he comes by night. Um, and that's, that's an important thing. You know, Caroline Lewis in her commentary, John, it's aptly titled, um, says, we already know that light and darkness symbolize states of believing and unbelief. So we kind of get a clue since it's nighttime. Night was is usually the uh, unbelief part and daytime or light is the believing part. So we get kind of a clue that perhaps Nicodemus isn't going to come out of this exchange having the questions answered the way he wants. <laughs> Yeah, it's and it's a thing I think to pay attention to throughout the book of John is that balance of whenever it talks about darkness or nighttime and daylight, right? That contrast. And even the way the gospel itself started, you know, in, in John 1, if you remember talking about, you know, the true light which has come into the world. I mean, John sets that up really early. Um, I, I also just kind of love that, you know, even as we're questioning the tone, you know, who's asking what and under what circumstances, even the way that Jesus responds to Nicodemus's question, he says, you know, uh, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born from above. Well, I already have so many questions. Like, what does he mean about kingdom of God? Does he mean like heaven? Does he mean like God's reign made known here on earth? I mean, is, is there some, what is he referring to? And then the words that he chooses, you know, being born from from above, folks, if you're following around along in your Bible, I really hope it has like a little footnote or a tiny little italicized letter there. Um, and that you actually take a moment to reference that because what it's telling you is there are multiple legitimate ways to mm. translate what Jesus says here. He might be saying born from above. He might be saying born anew. He might be saying born again. And in our, uh, I think, American Christian consciousness, we'd be inclined to say, well, aren't they all the same thing? Um, no, is the answer, which is why Nicodemus takes him on this, what sounds a bit sarcastic. Can anyone really be born a second time? You know, can can your mother birth you a second time? I mean, he's he is in his own way taking Jesus at his word because that is <laughs> one very legitimate way to respond to what Jesus has said. Um, so I am already caught by how much a seemingly intentional ambiguity is in Jesus's response. Um, but let's keep getting weird. Let's mm-hmm. keep reading and hearing how much more strange and ambiguous Jesus is about to make things. Uh, So let's keep reading. Pastor Brandon, would you read verses uh, five through 10 for us? Mm -hmm. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. 
What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to, to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Ooh, sick burn, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Coming out hot with the, uh, with the accusations. Um, Wow. So uh, Pastor Steve, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, again, so much. Uh, I want to highlight just a couple of things that captured my attention. Um, so Pastor Megan, you had mentioned uh, in verse three, no one can enter the kingdom of God. And what's what's interesting is that in verse three, he says, no one can see the kingdom of God. And in verse five, he says, no one can enter the kingdom of God. And those are different words. And the idea of seeing and light. That's a huge theme throughout the gospel of John. But I I just want to point out an interesting trivia fact is that these are the only places, these two verses are the only time in the entire gospel of John that the word kingdom of God is used, um, which contrasts the other gospels where it's kingdom of God is, or the kingdom of heaven is everywhere. And we don't see the, even the language of kingdom until Jesus appears before Pilate where Pilate says, so are you the king of the Jews? And he says, well, my kingdom is not of this world. And that's important because in the gospel of John, it's, it's less about kingdom language and more about relationship language between uh, Jesus and Abba and Jesus and disciples, because it's all about relationship. And so spoiler alert, theologically, I believe that the kingdom of God in John's theology is equal to uh, relationship. And so that's really huge uh, because the glory of God is like the, the relationship between a father and an only son, right? It's all about the relationship uh, of, a, of a loving parent. And that's, that's what this is about. And then, which ties into being born of water and spirit, right? It, it's all about being born into a family. Uh, what is this? And it's mysterious. And then one, one other thing is that in verse nine, Nicodemus question, I think, but the question is, how can these things be? I think that question frames the whole purpose of God, of the gospel of John is that that's what the author is trying to explore. Okay. You say that you're the son of God and God is your Abba. How can this be? So let's spend the rest of the gospel exploring that, right? (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Right here in in chapter three, let's say what, how, and then, you know, many, many more chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Pastor Brandon, is there a, is there a word or concept in this chunk that really pops out to you? Well, in, yeah, in verse five, uh, at the end, like Pastor Steve said, born of water and spirit and that word spirit, um, strikes me because it's it's from the Greek emphasao, which is the same used uh, in John 20, 22, when Jesus breathes on the disciples and said, says, peace be with you. So we have this image of breath, which is deeply connected to God's breath from Genesis. So uh, mm-hmm. remember the beginning of John's gospel starts in the beginning, which connects us to the book of Genesis, which also starts 
in the beginning. And so here we have uh, a connection to Genesis 2, 7, where God breathes God's very breath into the human or earthling. Mm. And so um, again, it's, it's like Steve said, Pastor Steve said, it's this relationship with God that goes all the way back to the beginning. And in the beginning, God created. So we know um, in this water in spirit, we're, we're made a, a new creation. We're given this rebirth uh, and it's from above. That's really beautiful. I'll take that. That'll preach. <laughs> oh, but wait, friends, there's more. We're only halfway through this reading. Pastor Brandon, keep us rolling. Would you read verses 11 through 16 for us? And spoiler alert, friends, verse 16 is going to sound familiar. Uh-huh. <laughs> Touchdown, Jesus. Well, so uh, verse 11. Very truly, I tell you. Oh, I should say, um, this is Jesus speaking. This is still, right? yeah, Jesus. Okay. It's worth <laughs> noting that after Nicodemus goes, wait, what? Or or how can these things be? Um, after that, we do not hear Nicodemus speak again. Like he mm-hmm. just poofs away into the night. Um, so yes, Pastor Brandon, thanks for pointing out. This is Jesus who's continuing on here. Jesus continues. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the son of man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. When that last one sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. So remember that if you are a, um, a, a person who thinks I don't have any Bible verses memorized, surprise, you probably do. You, that one is probably at least familiar to you. Um, but please just take it in the context. Remember that it's, you know, we should always look at what's before and after a Bible verse. Um, Pastor Brandon, what's something you hear about the context leading up to John three sixteen that you think helps us kind of understand what's going on here? Yeah, well, and it's also a question too. this whole uh, Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's like a t- Is that from, there's a story in there where like the Israelites, they're all dying, but then Moses holds up the staff and if people look at it, they'll survive. Yeah. It's in numbers. Numbers. That's why I can never remember it. I'm bad with numbers. And the book of numbers is not one that we tend to read from, you know, almost ever. So, uh, so that's uh, fair enough if it sounds unfamiliar. (laughs) So is he, yeah. So is he likening, uh, you know, Moses lifting up, uh, this serpent in the wilderness to, uh, Jesus being lifted up on the cross? Well, and it would have been an evocative story for the people at that time. It would have been, you know, a really important part of their history, especially pointing back to Moses and all of Moses's saving acts on behalf of the people through, you know, through God's power. So it would have been a story that would have called to mind, oh, what's going on here? Oh, Moses, it was Moses who raises the staff, right? Moses raises the staff um, and people look at it. And if they were bit by these, these poisonous snakes, they would be, they would be healed by this. So literally all they had to do was, was turn their heads and look and they could be healed. Um, So that, that's what Jesus is definitely alluding to a story that would be 
uh, way more familiar to Jesus original listeners than it is maybe for American Christians today. So we have a, another reminder that uh, in Jesus or turning to the cross is where we find this gift of life and healing. And Right. Right. And, and through no, um, you know, through no, you know, work of our own, really, we just, we just see, we just behold and that life is ours. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. Pastor Steve, quick reaction. Yeah. Well, I got two things about this passage. First of all, uh, you already alluded it, alluded to it. Pastor Megan is that, um, it changes. The voice changes in verse 11, where the word you that we read in English mm. is now actually y'all. It, it goes from singular to plural, which is weird if Jesus is talking directly to one person at night. And so commentators debate over whether Jesus is still talking from this point on, because you, when you read the gospel of John, imagine those old movies, like where the the narrator just steps into the frame and starts talking to the audience that happens all over the place in the gospel of John, where it's very possible that the author of John steps in and starts talking to the readers to try sort to of a, sort of a Greek chorus sort yep, of situation. Exactly. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, Jesus and Nicodemus had this little quick conversation. Now let me unpack it for you. Um, so y'all, this is what, is going on. And it's possible that it's still Jesus, but saying not just Nicodemus, but all Jews and all readers. So either way, but it, the shift to y'all. And then the second thing is the word believe is a, is a word that's used. It's another one of those themes that carries throughout the entire gospel. And this time I'm going through John, I'm actually swapping out the word believe with the word trust. Mm. Um, and seeing if it changes everything, because the Greek word is pistuo, which is the word that we also translate faith. And it, it, in, in, in our Western American heritage, the term believe has come to be associated with intellectually agreeing with a proposition. And that is not what this word means. This word means trust. And so try that. Try reading John. So um, whoever trusts in him will not perish. So just give that a whirl. Yeah, that's a good challenge. Uh, speaking of challenge, we have like lots of really heavy more verses to read before we can close this podcast up. So wow, Pastor Brandon, quick, would you read verses 17 through 21 for us? Indeed. God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world. Can I stop you right there? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I really want to point out that beautiful parallel between 16 and 17. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Or as Pastor Steve just said, so that everyone who trusts in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world. I mean, I just think it's really important to keep those two verses together, that the point of Jesus coming is not to ostracize some, but to include all. So with that interruption, please keep reading. (laughs) Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, 
but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Again, that beautiful interplay of 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 brightness and revealing and shadows and hiddenness, uh, just that continuing theme uh, in John. Uh, all right. So, Pastor Brandon, last thoughts mm-hmm. now that we've heard the whole chunk of a story. What are you thinking? Well, I think I, I'm wrestling with this idea that uh, this is the judgment in verse 19, that mm. the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Almost like we judge ourselves. Uh, we we almost condemn ourselves because we have been given this gift of the light. Jesus has shown us the way, and yet we still choose darkness. We still choose death. We still choose greed. I mean, you name it. Um, we so I think that's what's sticking out to me today is who does the judging? Um, is it us? Uh, is it God? And, and it, I'm becoming convinced it's us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think pointing back to some of Jesus's talk about kind of kingdom of God language, is that condemning something that doesn't mean anything in this world, but only comes into play at some point in a life to come? Or does that, that condemnation, does that mean something for us and for our neighbors now, for this world here today. Um, yeah, I feel that in a big way. Thank you, Pastor Brandon. Pastor Steve, what are you What are you still chewing on here at the end of this reading, yeah, aside I, from all of it? Yeah, I just want to piggyback on what Pastor Brandon said, because that word in verse 19, the word judgment, is the Greek word krisis, which mm. is exactly the word crisis in English, right? And if you read it that way, it's like, and this is the crisis, <laughs> This is the problem is that, and so there's a phrase I've heard recently, you've probably heard it for your whole life, but it's, if you play silly games, you win silly prizes. (laughs) And it's like, this is the problem, people. You love darkness rather than light. God's not condemning anybody. All God ever does is invite us into a loving relationship in every moment. And when we, when we choose to, play silly games, we heap silly rewards on ourselves. And when I say silly, I mean like awful, terrible pain and suffering. And that's not God judging and condemning. That's us being stupid. Mm. And God wants to save us from that. And that's why Jesus came to show us what love actually looks like and that the world can actually be a good place if we would just walk into the light. Yeah. I, and I keep hearing, you know, Jesus using that language of born again, born anew. And I'm so aware of how many of us latch on to that language and say, aha, here's what being born anew actually looks like. And we're playing those silly games. We're trying to legislate the only way that life and light and love could possibly be made known. Well, what, we think we're God? <laughs> we think we get to, we decide that I'm not saying that anything goes. I am saying that those questions of, of, of judgment <laughs> to use the English translation um, are not ours. Jesus has, has shown us how to live. We, we will live into that light and we will let the chips fall because that's God's work. Um, but 
the work of loving our neighbor and and listening to the spirit among us and continuing to be responsive to the needs of of the faith community and the people that are, are next to us, all those things, man, that's a thing I can do. I can't decide what it means to be born again, but I can I can choose to live in that light and love today, here, now. Mm. And we all know it's more complicated than that, but that is just going to have to be another podcast because that's the end of our time together, friends. This is uh, the Carry On Cast. It's our podcast here at Easter Lutheran Church, uh, where our mission is to grow in faith and Carry on. The work of Jesus Christ. Thanks, everybody. May the road rise up to meet you. Shine.